Life can be short-sighted. We should be thinking eternally rather than for the moment. But I thought for the moment it was January 1996. Janice and I had got engaged almost accidentally. Um, after seven years going out together. And um, you don't want to, it's for a whole other day, the asking her father. It's a whole other day. And it would take most of that whole other day. But finally, I got to asking him, and the first thing he and I did, being the way we are, men of faith, we looked up the diary to see what Saturday in May the cup final was, so as it wouldn't clash. Made sure it didn't clash. But we were short-sighted. Who was I to know that 23 years later, Manchester City would be in an FA Cup final going for a domestic treble for the first time any team had ever done it because that year we got relegated and we were getting relegated soon after that again. But it was short-sighted. I thought only about the one May Saturday instead of thinking, don't get married in May because there's a chance there's going to be a cup final any day. Yesterday was our anniversary. (laughs) But today, today is 40 years since I made this first leap of faith out of atheism to follow Jesus. It was a Saturday night, but it's a Sunday this year. And I told you just a few weeks ago about being in the back of this minibus on my own because my best mate, Philip McRae, minister in Rosemary, had missed the bus and had to go by car. So I was in the back of the bus without Philip to talk about Manchester City with And I spent the time working out whether God might exist or not exist. And it was the end of a six to eight week study of that. Not only looking at the Bible and looking at who Jesus was, but trying to sense whether I could believe this kind of stuff. And that was the night. That was the night that I believed for the first time in my life that not only did God exist, that would have been enough but that God was interested in me 40 years ago today. And I was thinking about it this week, that the shift wasn't that difficult. The shift was basically from John, Paul, George, and Ringo to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the key in both was John. Because up until 17... I pretty much worshipped the Beatles. I liked them now, but it was a wee bit more. In fact, I remember one day in school when we had a free period uh, putting the Ten Commandments of Beatles out. Thou shalt worship them on their birthdays and play their music all day on their birthdays and all that kind of stuff because that's where my faith or that's where my developing mindset was getting influenced most by. And all you need is love was right at the centre of that. So to move from John, Paul, George and Ringo to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, it was the John who was into the love and the Beatles and it was John who was into the love and the Gospels. And I imagine that in the many things that influenced my life at that point, and there were many things, that John was, uh, and that idea of love was very, very important to the peace. John is mad into love. Mad into love. 
And John speaks about love endlessly through his gospel and then also through his epistles. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In 1 John 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. 1 John 4, God is love. And so we come to the reading that uh, Patricia read to us just a moment or two ago. And we find ourselves again into the middle of love. A new commandment I give you, that you should love one another. A new commandment I give you, that you should love one another. Now before we ask ourselves how new the commandment is, let's put it in its context. This is a fascinating context because the first part of it, it makes a little bit of sense. Excuse me. It's Jesus' farewell discourse. These are the last days he has with his disciples. He knows that he's going to die and he's going to go to be with his father. And in the midst of this, we have Jesus washing the disciples' feet in that service of love. So this commandment makes sense in that service of love. But where it doesn't make sense is the exact place where Jesus brings in this new commandment. Because after we've washed the disciples' feet, and when we're in a situation where uh, uh, in the midst of that, we've had the Lord's Supper, really, and we've broken bread, and Jesus has said that one of you will be my betrayer, and Judas puts the bread into uh, the cup and then leaves to betray Jesus. Here's a crucial moment where Jesus' betrayer is almost exposed in front of them and suddenly leaves to betray Jesus. Right at that moment of betrayal, right at that moment when he is being rejected by one of his closest friends, right at that moment, Jesus decides not to talk about justice or vengeance, or judgment, but to talk about love. I think it's an interesting discipline. Now, I'm thinking disciplines this week because tonight, when Jim and Brendan are with us, they will talk us through all these deep messes, and they will come at it from a sort of a reflection and uh, then maybe a story, and then the scriptures, and then prayer. So it'll be done in a sort of a discipline kind of way. Well, here's the thing. Somebody hurts you this week or any week. Somebody betrays you this week or any week. Somebody lets you down this week or any week. Somebody does something that could make them your enemy this week or any week. What you do is you read... A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. How would that change how we live our lives? Jesus gives a new commandment at the point about love, at the point when love could have been the furthest thing from his mind, but clearly isn't. 
Now the question is, John, how new is this love? How new is it? Because if we go back to Leviticus, and we in Fitzroy on Sunday nights are becoming, well, a little bit more knowledgeable about these books like Deuteronomy and Leviticus, etc., etc., from our uh, Bible literacy series. What a brilliant series that has been. But if we go back to Leviticus 19, we find in verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. Now, Jesus could have done that with Judas. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So here's loving your neighbor back in Leviticus, right in the heart of the law. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So a new commandment to love one another. Is it really new, Jesus? What is new about this? Can I suggest very briefly that there are three things that I think are new about this love. Or fresh about this love. Or invigorating and vibrant about this love. And the first one is that it's not a law love. This is not something that we have to do because somehow we're now followers of Jesus. This is not a law-based love or a law-instigated love. Jesus changes that, I think. John 14, the next chapter. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. This kind of love, this new commandment to love one another is coming out of a sense of love for God will cause us to love our neighbor. It's like when Janice and I got married. We did, we took vows. But we didn't set up a contract. If we had, I would probably be worse for it. Because she would probably have the contract that I drilled the holes in the walls rather than she drilling the holes in the walls. We could have, you know, you could have that kind of contract. And we could have done things because we had to because we're now married. The truth is, if it's going to be a marriage that's going to last any distance, then it can't be a love, or a law rather, a law legalistic based marriage. It has to be a love based marriage where you do things out of love rather than out of having to do so. This love that Jesus brings in here comes out of relationship with himself and therefore the Father. A new sense of relationship where the veil has been going to be torn in two and we will be intimate like last week's word of knowing God again relationally. And out of that, love's a very different act and thing. It's not a love, a law love. It's a service kind of love. The feet washing is pretty revolutionary. It's not Jesus saying, look, I'm going to show you how to serve one another. I'm going to give you a symbol here that's going to help you in your understanding of service. No, 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 no. You've got to look at this closer. This is not their peer that's washing their feet. This is their Lord and their God, as Thomas soon would declare it, who is washing their feet. This is a sacrificial service. This is the service of God Almighty, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on his knees washing their feet. This is a different kind of love. 
This is the love where we say we do not need to be the ones in control. We do not need to be the rulers. That to be glorified, as Jesus talked about in this morning's reading that Patricia read, that to be glorified is not glorified in being proud and haughty and mighty and on a throne in earthly terms. But God's glory, the glory of the God that we sing about and follow, is a God who makes himself nothing. And puts himself on his knees in front of a menagerie of rabble disciples to wash their feet. And to soon go to a cross to die for them. This is the kind of love that Jesus is bringing in. It's not a law love. It's not a love you need to do because it's there in Leviticus or it's there in the Torah. This is something that's fundamental to the new change of life that Jesus brings us. It's sacrificial, it's tough, it's courageous, it's servanthood. And then thirdly, it's a proclamational kind of love. By this, all men and women will know that you're my disciples. How will the world know that we are the disciples of Jesus How will they be drawn as David was praying in the intercessory prayer earlier? Well, Jesus says they'll be drawn by this kind of love. And that would be the question that I would want to be asking the church universal. Are people drawn to us as the people of God because we love, because we love, because we love? Everyone will know. It's proclamational. The glory of God will be shown in the world when we get off our high horses and serve those that even in the world's eyes would be less than us, washing their feet and serving them. Peter had to deal with this in Dave's children's address or in Chris's reading. This was a love that cost Peter. Could have cost him more. Because something's going on here. And he knows that his people are not going to understand that. And when I say his people at this stage of the Acts of the Apostles. We have a Christian, little Christian gripping community within the Jewish community. His community within the Jewish community is not going to understand when he eats with this Gentile. When he baptizes this Gentile. Even the ones in his Christian community within the wider community are not going to understand that. But the Jewish community are really not going to understand that. And Paul or Peter's in a place here where the love that he has for Cornelius, the love he now finds for the Gentiles, is a new kind of love. It's not a love based in law. It's a love based in the spirit. It's a love based in God telling him that he needs to love what was previously unclean. It's a love that is service to those who are seen as less than him. The Jews would not have let the Gentiles into the Holy of Holies. They stayed out there. But here in this chapter, Peter brings them right into the Holy of Holies. And they are baptized by the Holy Spirit as the disciples were baptized by the Holy Spirit in that upper room in Jerusalem. This is a whole new kind of love and service 
and it's proclamational. Because from here on, all the Gentiles will know. All the Gentiles will know, as this morning's children's address beautifully put it, that this message, this Jesus, this love is for everybody. Just in closing, a surmise. A surmise for me is something that I'm wrestling with, something that might be right, but something that might be completely wrong because I hold there very dearly to my reformed faith that I'm not infallible. But there's something within me, particularly maybe in a Northern Ireland context, maybe a Northern Ireland evangelical Protestant context, that has asked me why love is not revolutionary and why love is not out there as the glory of God and why we are judgmental and exclusive. I don't even mean between those who are in the kingdom and outside of the kingdom. I mean those even within the kingdom where we've got to find fault. We've got to exclude. We've got to damn and judge one another. Where does that come from? And why those of us who have the book, who have read the book, who have lived and preached the book for hundreds of years, why is that judgmentalism at the heart of who we are rather than the new commandment to love one another so that everybody we would know that we were his disciples? And I think here it is in my thinking, surmise, that if first and foremost your God is a God of judgment, then you'll be exclusive. Then you'll push away. Then you will build guilt in people's lives. But if first and foremost, as John puts it in 1 John 4, God is a God of love. And that's the new commandment we live by. Then the glory of God will be seen. And the love we will have for one another and the love we will have for the people that Jesus had love for. And the proclamation will shout across the world. And I'm not sure it is. And I need to look into my own life. And we all need to look into our own lives. To find out why this new commandment is not at the heart of the DNA of all that we do. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for your word right here in the heart of John. Such an important word because Jesus claims it's this new commandment that he leaves with them. Very important words. And that it's the way that we will be missional and evangelistic and proclamational. To love. To love as you have loved us. To serve as you have served us. To be sacrificial as you were sacrificial to us. Because in that the glory of God will be seen. Lord, by your spirit, test our hearts. Search our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.